It's Wednesday, November 6th, and this is Rev Thoughts, snackable conversations between Tim Thompson and myself, Joel Pilger. Our topic today is end of decade goal setting. So I, I've been thinking about this question because uh, I had this um, like aha moment recently. You know, we're doing end of year things with our clients, but uh, the reality hit that this isn't just end of year, it's end of the decade. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> crazy, right? So like yeah, the sure. 2010s are coming to an end, which is, you know, there's a funny thing in this where that I think um, like when Marty McFly went into the future, he went into 2015. So we're even five years past like the back to the future future. At this so point. where are our rocket packs? What are, what are we waiting <laughs> yeah. on? Come on. <laughs> yeah. But isn't that interesting? So like, so end of a decade, I was thinking like, okay, so I, I don't know. I guess when I was younger, I didn't even really picture the 2010s. Um, but definitely in 2010, 2020 seemed very far away. And now we're there. Like that, like 10 years, it's been 10 years. And that, you know, that 10-year mark, uh, so much is changing. One one funny thing in this, and you'll appreciate this, Joel, because you know how much I love the software. But, you know, in 2010, Slack didn't even exist. Wow. Not sure. that I know of. I didn't know when was using it. So think about know, how that's just a game changer. Are you saying you love it now? I, you, you mean love slash hate, right? <laughs> Yeah, right. That's what I mean. <laughs> what can yeah, go, we can talk about Slack some other day. But exactly. It, but the game changers that take place in such a short time. You know, they the, do. The industry moves fast. Well, the cycles, I think, are increasing. Meaning the, the, when the pace of change quickens, it's not, when, it's not saying five years from now, things are going to be different. We now say three years from now. And then three years from now, we're going to be saying, wow, in two years, things are going to be so different. So I think it's that quickening of the cycle. Yeah, and it makes sense, right? Because the, like the largest, let's say the contributors or financial contributors are people that are financing innovation. So mm-hmm. a pool, the largest pool of money on the planet currently is being financed towards innovation. Clearly, innovation is going to be a result. And those change agents are are going to come faster and faster. But 10 years, I, I, don't, know, I don't know, what do you think? Where were you 2010? Well, I was running a creative agency, right? <laughs> yeah, I was were. And here's what's funny. I think here's the interesting thing about it. And I, and I have not thought about this until you just now asked it, that in 2010, I was running Impossible Pictures. We were just about at our peak. Okay. And I thought we're going to keep growing and I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that would, that, that, that was such, like there was really no other reality that I was entertaining. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just what that's. And of course, that's now a story I've heard <laughs> over and over and over again, because most every owner would say the same thing. Yeah, I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. I'm going to do it till I die because I don't want to ever retire. And yeah, I'm just going to run this business and I'm going to grow it year over year, somehow, some way. And that's the plan. Well, it, and then yeah, 10 years so... goes by. And everything changed. <laughs> uh, do we just sound like old guys? I just want to make sure when I'm like recording some podcasts, we're like the oldest guys on the planet. But, you know, it, it's uh, the amount of work I've seen you do since you've been at RevThink. And the the changes we've watched with companies, the transformation that take place, e- even just the volume of thank you notes that you get from jumpstart or the conferences, you know, think about like that's a contribution that 10 years ago, you thought 
running uh, impossible pictures was the peak of your career. Right. And now you get, I don't like, that's amazing. It's a, it's, that's pretty awesome. You know? Well, I mean, I, I'm not, obviously I'm going to give a lot of credit to you for seeing something in me, but it's, it's incredibly bizarre and it's also incredibly gratifying because I remember many years ago when you were teaching me this idea of it's okay to, in your career to reinvent yourself, but just make sure that you leverage everything you have along the way and convert it. And to me at the time, I don't even, I didn't, I didn't even know what those words meant. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, like, you, you still, you what you still wondering? <laughs> right. But this is what I would encourage anybody listening is to say, trust me, you have so much, you've built so much, you've uh, retained so much. It's, it's really all there. And even if your business failed, shifted, was acquired, whatever next year, you have so many options and so many possibilities that right now you're not considering and that's okay. But maybe, maybe you and I can encourage them to start thinking outside of particular boxes or, or just thinking in a way that's a linear extrapolation of your current reality. Yeah, well said. I think that's why the word I choose in that fourth stage of the career is influence, because you can take it with you. And in the other stages of the career, there's things that you really, you can't take it with you. Even if you're a specialist, you're really, really, really good at something. Technology might change and that specialty goes away or can become commoditized. Or even mm-hmm. just just in time, you're you're not as proficient as a younger person or an up-and-comer. That could, that changes the game on you. But influence is something that if you take care of it soon, uh, meaning that you're, you're, you're a solid person and you're giving people opportunity and you're inputting into people's lives and you're growing and contributing into the community, that all helps you gain influence. And then when time comes and other changes take place, your experience plus your influence allows for opportunity in that fourth stage. Sure. So when we go back to this question, because at the end of the year, owners are asking the question, okay, it's end of year. Let's look at our, let's look at what the end of year, where things are headed. And we ask questions like, uh, are we going to end the year? Well, did we achieve our goals, our numbers? And then of course people start asking and what, where are we headed next year? Mm-hmm. Right? Like what's the, what's the goal for next year? But when we, when we expand that question to say, how is the decade ending? Did we achieve our goals and what are we doing next decade? That's a completely different question. I mean, have you had, have you had some recent conversations around that, that you can well, you give me two give thoughts. <laughs> give me two thoughts. The the first one is is you know we use the factors method to project year over year. It makes me want to think we need a totally different factors report, don't mm-hmm. we? If we're looking at a decade, because uh, we're definitely going to keep score on you know what your cash reserve is. Um, you can't track that or project that on a ten year period. Um, again, the second one to me is so I'm working with a company that's doing some acquisitions, and um, one of the uh, recent let's say like conversations that got started was a company that has been around for, I think 13 or 14 years. So well, well past the last 10 years. And 
um, I, I got these financial projections of where they've been for the last five years and then where they see the next five years to go. It's a very common thing to put together when, mm -hmm. when you're in this stage. Well, the report that was made was actually made in January of 2019. So we're looking okay. at something that's 11 months old. Mm -hmm. And 2019, at the end of 2019, it doesn't look as it, as it should have when they projected it in January 2019. So even just a 12-month period, that person's idea... And, it, and it's not like they made it up. They took the last five years of, of potential growth and revenue and 2019 looked very similar and now, and it doesn't. It's two thirds <laughs> of what it should have been Interesting. or what they projected it to be. Mm -hmm. So to, to recognize that in one year in a period like that is a change. But then you wonder like, well, what's the next five years? So when you sit down and make that plan, clearly the next five years made sense but now that 2019 is true, what would the next five years be? And that shift of reality, how fast it could come and what you need to do to control it. Um, and, and I should say, you know, by the way, this isn't all bad news because you can, you can have a revenue difference, but still make profit and your profit percentages can be good because you're, you are reacting to the market, which is what you really want to see in an acquisition is how well the person responds to the changes. But it's so different. Like if I think about this owner's position in January and what their hopes were, and maybe what this owner was speculating, but what this owner's um, thought was 10 years ago and mm -hmm. where they are today and what the asset they thought they had and what their ask was going to be. Um, it makes me wonder, are, are they where they wanted to be? Is this the situation that they're going to be in? Yeah, I think the, the frustrating thing is anytime you, like an owner might, want to go buy a building. And so they get asked by a bank, give us projections for the next five years. And so we sit down and we create these projections that go five years into the future. And let's face it, they're really baloney. <laughs> I mean, and we kind of know as we're making them, we know this is all lies because all this revenue that we predict, even if we stay flat, even if we don't anticipate growth, even that we know, well, there's no promise or, or guarantee, it's not even necessarily likely that that stuff's going to show up because three of these TV networks are going to be out of business. This ad agency is going to get acquired and the new CMO is going to hate our guts. I mean, you can just go on and on the reasons that things change, but we, we don't know, we don't know how to do things any better than just say, well, things are either going to be the same. They're going to be a little better. They're going to be a little worse. And those are our projections. And yeah, yeah, the trap that I think, you know, I know I fell into this um, back in my day. The trap is you just say, well, I guess I'll just figure it out as it comes. But that's actually an extremely reactive thing to do, to live that way and to operate that way. And what's really hard, of course, is when you have a super bad quarter on top of a, on top of a oops or a gotcha or a market shift or something. And then you suddenly realize, oh my gosh, everything changed even faster than I would have ever expected. And now I don't know how to lay off half my team and not kill my company because everyone yeah. that's left is freaking out. Everyone wants to abandon ship. I lost my top creative director. I mean, I'm sort of telling my story <laughs> um, <laughs> here because it's the reality that I remember uh, quite painfully. But I mean, what, what's the encouragement to, how do you not, how do you not get stuck in that mode of, yeah, it'll be about the same or a little better or a little worse and just end up being reactive. 
Yeah, because when you make a report for the bank, it it is kind of baloney, as you said. But it's uh, it's a very different commitment when you're talking to a bank to get a loan than the commitment you make to yourself that it's right. going to be better. Or the commitment you make to your family, hey, put up with this transition time and how many hours I'm working and, and this you know, client right. request that t- took me away from vacation or these you know 3 a.m. stress full things we deal with to get beyond that into a point where you can, you know, you can uh, live out with whatever the promise you made to yourself and not regret it. I think there's got to be some (laughs) sense of, of hope beyond the moment originally, but uh, dealing with reality is, is some of the tools you need to develop. Well, let's, let's take it up a notch because as you and I've observed in a world of, acquisitions or mergers, the stakes really go a lot more demanding. They, the things are a lot, a lot tougher because now you have investors that have put money in, mm-hmm. you've created projections and you have to deliver on those projections or else that's when things get really hot <laughs> because the bank doesn't care as long as you're making your payments, you know, figured out, whatever. We don't, yeah. we don't really, we don't really care that your revenue is down by 50%. But when you have investors and they're expecting distributions and other things based on those metrics and performance things that you promised that are all tied to your compensation and all that, I mean, that's when things get really, really stressful and people get really unhappy. So how do we not, how do we not be so reactive? How do we actually create something that's a dynamic, responsive, creative firm that despite the changes that are coming at us that we can't see three, two, one year in the future, we're still somehow creating the future. Yeah, I think you said the right word. It's actually the fact that you have something that's responsive. So it's mm-hmm. not um, it's not set in concrete and in stone, and it's always going to be five people, and it's always going to be in broadcast design, and it's you know going to win ProMax awards, and you know whatever that those situations are that we can be very static in that you can say I'm a design company or a concept company and I can conceive of, of it in print or in action or emotion or long form or short form. Now you have a, a, um, a pliable entity that can respond and work with the, the changing of the industry. Let's put, let's put that in super practical terms. So let's say if I ran a 2 million a year motion design studio, and I say, yeah, next year I think I could do 2.5, and the next year I'll do three, and so on, and so on, and so on. <clears throat> but next year I do one. You're telling me that that's not going to be the worst year of my life, and I'm going to be miserable and sad and dejected and a failure. Is that, I, is that, is that really possible? <laughs> um, yes, it's possible. I mean, the... the um... It's a great question because it's truly based on your expectations, right? So if your expectations is you're going to have a $10 million year and you have a $2 million year, you've completely failed in your expectations. If your expectations is, is no matter what happens, I'm going to make profit and you make profit at 2 million or 10 million, um, then, then you're profitable. And that's a, that's a great thing. If you're, if the promise you made to yourself is, is that you're going to be award winning um, but you, you're going for the Oscar and, and, and um, you might not win. So you, that could be a disappointment. But really, if you recognize award winning is just recognized by your peers, then you can be recognized by your peers in many ways and open up mm. possibilities. 
So some of it is the scorecard. I think the other part of it is really starting to think through in a proactive way, you know, whatever's going to come at you that can't be changed, the economy or, or uh, innovation, opportunity, change of marketplace, to, to know that that's a factor that you're always going to have to deal with and to be proactive and curious really kind of keeps you in the game. And you might even find there's more satisfaction. You might find there's more satisfaction in, in moving away from your business or, or more satisfaction in moving your business in a different direction um, mm-hmm. because it works. So like I, I think of our friend, Neil Berkeley, who, you know, he, he moved into a different area of business because he made a promise to his future self in order to do it. And then the change, even though if he was, if he stuck with, I am a motion graphics company specifically, instead of a content driven company, he would have had to make one promise to himself and not being able to, to move and change, but to be able to take that opportunities and, and look at things differently, you know, satisfaction showed up regardless of what the content he was creating or he made better content even. Sure. Then, yeah, or his own content and, and changing the rules on himself. And and he's a he's a really exciting example of someone who's been able to, in a way, it's like this idea of I'm going to accomplish my goals, but I'm okay if they don't look like what I thought they were going to look like, like mm-hmm. you said earlier. But we do broadcast design. Well, really, or do we just create amazing, stunning visuals that move the world? Because once I let go of that niche or that whatever the way i define it so specifically and i realize oh and i think in neil's case he said i tell stories and i'm so passionate i'm going to go capture them and tell them to the world and nobody's going to stop me and he envisioned that future you <laughs> in his case future yeah. media um but that's a, that's it's it's really incredible what's possible when you when you lose some of that specificity and you start thinking bigger and, and broader yeah, it's like I I love the thought and the transformation of someone moving from hope into reality. Mm. So like I hope I'm successful in 10 years to well, how do I make myself successful in 10 years? And to ask that question differently and to recognize what it takes to get there and be curious. You you might not understand um what an asset is. Um and 10 years later you can own one of the greatest assets there that exist because of that curiosity and that drive and the need to know you or the need of the knowledge to understand what an asset is so you can get to the other side of it. That's some of what, you know, some of that revelation and hope that we hope others people kind of attach to as we, as we teach and preach and, and give them things. Well, this is where I'll, I'll repeat what my uh, a lady named Cherish Edwards taught me when she was my operations director uh, years ago. Hope is not a plan, Joel, is what she would always tell me. Hope is not a plan. And it was so true. And I, I'm, all, I'm thinking of something else you've said many times that I really, it always catches my attention at how simple but yet profound it is. And that is, if you're, say, a million-dollar company, we're going to make a million one-dollar decisions as we mm-hmm. go through this year. So how do we put some sort of a system, tool, decision-making thing in place that we get to make the the good decisions every step of the way so that when we get to the end of the year, we say we made a million good decisions rather than, well, we hoped it would sort of go this way and it didn't work out. Oh crap. Now what? It's such a, I mean, that's a radical idea. And I'm sure people are 
hearing this and going, wow, that sounds amazing. That sounds great. You know, how do I do that? And that's the factors method in a, in a nutshell, but there's obviously a lot, a lot there that we, yeah. <laughs> we can't dive into for, for sake of time and, and space, but. I, I, I love how you're financially speaking. That's right. The factors method, you, you get the idea that I want to go somewhere and I need to finance my future. So where's the money going to come from? It has to come from the dollars we receive. So to contribute those dollars towards your future, that's great. Um, I think that, you know, your creative opportunities you take on and understanding which jobs you should take or not have similar factors attached to it. Even your sales routines and sales process needs to have your future built into it so you can proactively deal with whatever the market's giving you and whatever your competitors are doing with and whatever your clients' competitors are working with. All of those taken into account allows you to create that opportunities and, and make that future you want to live out. Mm -hmm. um, the, but I, uh, I guess like it's, I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm stuttering about talking about how I'm going to stutter, but this is such an interesting conversation because I swear <laughs> my mind is like in, in the past, in the future, in the present at all the same time. And I keep projecting through things I've learned as I've grown in my own business and talk to many business owners. In the present, I keep thinking of the, the conversations I have currently with business owners and, and work works from for them to recognize that transition and to think through what what's actually important now mm -hmm. so you have a future. Because it's really easy to identify what's important now, for yeah. now, but to understand now for the future. And then I keep trying to really get to the other side of like, yeah, but what's it going to, what's the end of 2020, the 2020s going to be like? So in, in 2029, if we're thinking about this again, how do I give business owners something to think about that they could um, maybe write us a thank you note in 10 years saying, holy cow, you guys <laughs> kicked my butt. Um, and well, I, and you, you keep coming to mind, Joel, cause you're, you dealt with reality and you're dealing with reality in such a different way that your success at the end of 10 years is so different than what you could even conceived of 10 years ago. Well, I'm going to go back to th this conversation you and I had last night. So remember when I was, I was on the, on a call with an owner from Asia and talking about his operation. And we were asking these questions about sales, which of course is this infinite game and this infinite riddle <laughs> that we're always, yeah. we're always trying to solve. And there was this concept that you and I talked about of when you're running your business in sales specifically for the moment, it's like you're dealt a hand. And the question is sort of how do you, despite what cards you're dealt, how do you make the most of whatever those cards are because we, we want to just flip everything over and say, well, they're all aces and I've got five aces in my hand. I can't lose. And how, you know, we were the, the owners are always looking forward to the answers. Just tell me what's the answer. So that when I flip this card over, this is an ace and this is an ace and this is an ace. Yeah, but right. the reality is it doesn't work that way. You have to, to a certain extent, you're always being dealt a hand and you have to make the most of what you've got. And my big idea encouragement, I think, would be that the, the idea of proactivity, which is exemplified when it comes to finance and operations in, in production, in the factors method, uh, in sales, it's, it's, it's got its own, it's, its own sort of practices and 
systems, but to think in such a way, no matter what hand I'm dealt, how can I still accomplish the goal? How can I still be successful? Because you can't, there's even factors that are beyond your control, like market and competition. Yeah. Uh, your, you know, your clients go out of business, they get acquired, they, people die. I mean, there's all sorts of variables, but I think that's, that's the big question. And I think as human beings, we don't, we don't like thinking about that stuff because humans crave certainty and we crave uh, predictability, but you have to get to this place where you're comfortable with being uncomfortable and you have a dynamic responsive stance. Yeah. I feel like people want to play, want to play blackjack till they run out of money, right? That's how they Mm. think the game is. I think reality we're playing bridge where there are multiple players playing multiple hands and you have to, just know how to re- react and respond to the information given to you more than think it's about w- binary winning and losing and then hope you and all your wins add up to more better than all your losses in the long run um instead you're you're navigating the system um is a much much greater way of uh kind of getting through it for all. sure well i'll say this i'm sure most owners listening are the types that think their plan is I'm going to be profitable this year and squirrel away some of those profits. And if I can just do that for 10 years straight, I'll be able to retire. And that's their plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is just the default. That's what we think. And we say, oh, and if I'm lucky, maybe I'll sell my business someday. But they think they even think of that in, in terms that aren't very accurate or informed by reality. But the truth is you're being dealt this hand every day, every quarter, every year. And there's many other opportunities besides, oh, if I can just if I can just get lucky and have more wins than losses, I'll squirrel away a little cash, and that's my plan. Yeah, let's not depend on luck. Let's, <laughs> right. let's go with the idea that uh, in time, over many years, in time, you can contribute something greater than yourself. You can give back, and over time, you can help other people develop and change their their career, their trajectory. Um, even just their position. So your clients, you think about them in order to improve their output and their outlook on their career. Your employees, you build them up so that they have a you know better way of sustaining their life and be part of the, the industry and give to them, give them credit, give them opportunity. Um, promote the industry, um, share your your experiences and get information out there. Don't be afraid to give other people's credit. I think about PJ and how he uses LinkedIn to give as many people credit as he, he can because he's he's just a fan of the industry and wants to share it. Um, and then over time, recognize how influence allows you for opportunity as well and use that with your experience to give back and, and grow, like in a way, grow your own economy at the other side of it. Um, I think that's what you can do in 10 years. You can act out as a good person with generosity, um, an abundance mentality and the, and the reality that other people will um, take what you give them. So give things away to find out what value exists. Um, then you don't have to worry about reacting to what you've been given. If you're giving it away and it's growing, plant more seeds, let it grow. And that, I think that was like the perfect bow <laughs> that you just put on this conversation. And of course I'm chuckling because I'm supposed to have drinks with PJ tonight and I'm realizing, Oh, I got to Thanks for the reminder, Tim. I got to call him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> 
But that was I perfect. think that's I think uh, that's a great that's actually a great I think that's a great way to end it because you 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 summed it up really quite simply. Yeah, and I and um yeah. Again, Joel, I, I have you in mind. I'm like, I'm watching you develop and, and the things that you're doing. You know, I feel lucky to have Rev think that the doors can be open to others to grow, but um, for you to step into it and, and do well and, and recognize and believe in the cause, it's awesome. And you can be a test- testimony to that it, that it works. The strategy works. Well, I'm blushing a bit, but thank you. It's very <laughs> of <course. laughs> kind of you to say, well, I enjoyed this this conversation. This was actually really cool. So now we're thinking in terms of decades, not just years. Yeah. Welcome to the end of the decade. <laughs>